You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that. Well, today we're going to talk about OTAs. That's right, we got a little bit of insights. We get uh, emphasis on a little bit, but the boys are back in pads, they're out there working, and fortunately, our friends with the Twitter sphere were out in full force, giving us updates as best as they can, and I want to run through a couple things. With that said, welcome to the show, thank you for joining me, so on and so forth, etc., etc. So I'll start off with the folks missing for the day. It was reported that Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Jair Alexander, Elton Jenkins, Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Devin Funches, Equinemius St. Brown, Kadar Holman, and Stanford Samuels were not at OTAs today. Now, we did get some information later about Stanford Samuels. I guess he's there. He was riding the bike, so he must be working through some kind of an injury or whatnot. But he's around, so that's great. Did not get any information as to Elton Jenkins. I have to assume it's either something personal, could be good or bad, wedding, funeral, or the ultimate bad thing that I don't want to talk about, but I think you know where I'm going. Something happened to his body. I'm not saying the word. I'm just not doing it. Not not putting that juju on him. Elton's fine. But uh, we did get Blake Bortles back at practice. Got to see him throwing the ball a little bit. He was there last time, but he was just kind of doing stretches, warm-ups, whatever kind of injury thing he was working through. But apparently he's good to be out there throwing uh, paces. Josiah DeGuara also out there doing rehab and whatnot. The big news, though, as far as uh, people either not being there or working with the trainers, was David Bakhtiari. Because apparently... David Bakhtiari looks amazing. Not not apparently. There's videos all over the place. I posted several uh, Packernet podcast Facebook page. Make sure you check that out because I'm gonna. I think that's gonna be a thing. Putting updates over there. But if you haven't seen the videos, you're not on Twitter or whatever. You can go check those out. But he looks completely fine. And I understand there's more to it than you know just what he's doing there uh, to get healed. But if things were not great, he would not be able to do the things he's doing. He's literally like running, hopping, jumping, and, and jumping laterally. Like I said, I, I, I tore my ACL in college and re-injured it many times. It didn't take very much for that thing to just completely blow out and me to just hit the floor. A slight press to the side and that knee just popped right out of place and I went down for the count. So to be able to, as big as he is, to launch himself in the air laterally and land on that knee coming down at an angle... And that's just part of his warm-up. I mean, that's crazy. So I don't know what that means. There's a lot of talk about him possibly coming back week one. That is not an official thing from a doctor. From what I saw from actual doctors and whatnot on the Twitter sphere, rehab folks, 
they said minimum nine months to a year, especially for an athlete doing this kind of stuff. Otherwise, it's just really not safe. I think somebody posted an article, something to the effect of, you know, the uh, of the athletes that do come back in nine months, which is kind of hurried back. There's there's seventy percent higher chance of re-injury, but nine months is late September. As I mentioned, I think our first game is the twelfth of September, so that would obviously mean he's out for several weeks. But I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what these football guys are doing. I also understand that a lot of the people on Twitter that are talking who are, you know, rehab doctors and whatnot, they're probably not working with guys like David Bakhtiari. And I don't just mean that, you know, I understand that biology and physiology is what it is, but they're not on a normal regimen. It's not like their bodies are superhuman necessarily. It's the amount of work that they can put in. You know, they can do literally daily rehab as opposed to weekly or biweekly rehab. They're probably getting knee injections of, of who knows what into their knee you know, growth hormones, stem cells. I don't know what they're pumping into the knee, but anything and everything they can to hurry up the process, I'm sure that's being done. On top of working with just the absolute best trainers in the world, plus him being an athlete does impact that, right? You're being asked to do things in physical therapy um, that are going to force you to really push yourself. And I have a feeling David Bakhtiari is a little bit more adept at um, being able to achieve milestones in physical therapy probably a little quicker than my grandma was when she got knee replacement surgery let's put it that way so we'll see how it goes um but and again i'm not saying this medically but he looks like he could play today if you watch those videos he's doing everything now that doesn't mean it's fully healed if he takes you know undue strain stress which obviously playing football is going to put a little bit more on it than jogging forward a couple steps and hopping to the side but I mean, I, I I don't know. I don't know what the timeline is, but it it's hard to imagine he's got a lot more to go. What is it he can't do at this point? If you're trusting him to be able to, and that's that's the thing. If you're trusting him that I know he can do this much strain and it's not gonna break, it's healed to that degree. What is it at? Like eighty nine percent? I don't know. Just it's it was surprising to me. I don't know. Got some alignment updates. Looking specifically at the offense. First group on offense, it was Jordan Love, which actually it is worth saying because the question should be raised because we still don't know exactly what's going on. Where does he stand, for example, with Blake Bortles? Now, that doesn't mean necessarily if Aaron Rodgers chooses not to play that we know that uh, Jordan Love is the guy. It could be Blake, but it's nice to see. Again, this is a team that is not afraid to say you're not there yet, you're number two, right? They drafted him in the first round, made him the number three quarterbacks. (laughs) So they're not afraid of that at all. So Jordan Love was under center. You had Aaron Jones, obviously, as your number one running back. The wide receivers, with everybody being gone, were uh, Amari Rodgers and Malik Taylor. Malik Taylor's worth keeping an eye on, if for no other reason. I mean, the Packers do like him. I think he's just he's a, a limited guy that has done some stuff. But think about it from this perspective. How much better is the next guy than Malik? Let's call it Equinemius. Now, if Equinemius decides not to show up and Malik is here putting in in the work, let's say neither of these guys are necessarily guys that you hope start, but both of them are good enough that in a pinch we can throw them out there. You're telling me if you're not the Green Bay Packers, you're not going to reward... I promise I'm not eating a donut. Delete Facebook is trending on Twitter. That's hilarious. I wonder if Twitter had something to do with that. (laughs) Yeah, guys, do it. I wonder if that is a competition or if it's just like a... 
like a taco stand in a bakery. Like, I don't really care. They're not taking my business. Taco people aren't like, ooh, never mind. I'll think I'll have cake. What were we talking about? Oh, if it's basically 50-50 or even maybe a little bit more in Equinemius's favor, you're telling me, I, I know I would. Well, it's voluntary. I know. All the more reason. He didn't have to be here and he chose to show up. I like that. I respect that. I appreciate that. It helps me. It helps you. It shows me that you want to be here. You want to get better. It helps the other guys that are here. It's going to help Jordan Love. It's going to help Amari get up to speed. You're helping all these guys here. I appreciate that. When you didn't even have to, you showed up. Thank you very much. You get the job. Why? Because when next year rolls around, I want to pick the guys that are going to show up. I don't want guys that are only going to show up when they have to. I want guys that want to be here. It's not that hard to figure out. And then along the offensive line, everything was basically the same, except in the place of Elton Jenkins, you had Mr. Ben Braden. Now, this massively surprises me, because as best as I can see, Ben Braden is like our number five guard on the team. Yash Nijman would have made sense. How about Royce Newman, who we just drafted in the fourth round as a tackle, would have possibly made sense. John Runyon was a tackle in college, could have put him out there. Coy Cronk could have been put at tackle. Instead, Ben Braden. So I don't know what that's about, but uh, I guess keep your eyes peeled for Ben Braden. He must have made some kind of an impression on the Packers, and uh, things really go haywire, or maybe not even necessarily haywire. If David Bakhtiari's out and Elton Jenkins goes down, what are we doing? I guess Ben Braden? I don't know. Um, If we look at his actual playing time, we did see Ben in Week 9 against San Francisco. He played right tackle for four snaps. All four were run blocking. He had an 81 overall grade, 81.7, um, as a run blocker. I don't know how in the world he ends up with a 67 overall when the only thing he did was he had to have done something else. I don't know what it would have been. What else did he do? He played four snaps. All four were run blocking. He did a great job run blocking. And Okay, I don't know. He also played in the uh, divisional round on uh, special teams for one snap. Is that special teams? What is X? Why is it a passing play? What passing play did we do on special teams? Whatever. I have no idea. But I guess, by the way, Ben has been in the NFL since 2017. He's been kicked all around. Um, He was with the Jets. Now he's with the Packers. He has not started a single game until week nine of last year for the Packers. And again, it was at tackle. And he was a tackle in college which I think most of the people on our offensive line are former tackles, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what you are in the pros. But um, he was a guard-slash-tackle in the pros or in college. He ended his season uh, with Michigan as a left tackle, but he did play primarily as a guard throughout his entire college career, um, entirely at left guard in 2015, also played right tackle in 2014. So in total, 1,100 snaps at left guard. 700 at right tackle, 400 at left tackle. So, I don't know. It's it's int- Apparently, they liked what they saw in him, and they wanted to at least give him a shot. So, there you go. On the defensive side of things, the opening defensive line, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, and Kingsley Kiki as their three. So, this is obviously base defense. Your three down linemen. You had the Smith brothers on the outside, which somewhat disheartening because you really would think at this point as bad as Preston was last year that Rashawn would get the nod, but apparently that's not the case. Not that this is cemented, I'm just saying. Um, The linebackers were Chris Barnes and Ty Summers. Now, defense is always weird because it depends on packages and different things you're trying to do. It's also just a time to practice and try different things, so who knows what's real and what's just, hey, let's try this real quick. But it is interesting to note that Kamal 
is currently under Ty Summers, at least in this first package that came out. As far as the DBs, you had um, Kevin King with Josh Jackson, so that tells me Josh is the number three right now still. Probably won't be for very long, but that's how they started off. Savage and then Amos, obviously at safety. Um, as far as the DBs, if you wanted a deeper look, Chandon Sullivan was getting first-team reps as the number one slot guy. When they went out in six DBs, you saw Stokes and King on the outside, Amos and Sullivan in the slot, and then Redmond and Savage at safety. So again, when they really drag it out like that, you kind of see the depth and what order things are in. So Redmond is our number three safety. Amos would be our number two as far as the slot goes right now. And then in this situation, they had Stokes and King out there instead of King and uh, Jackson, which, again, Jackson was out there with the ones at first for whatever reason, but th there's no way. Stokes is... It's, it, the question is, is it going to be Stokes or King? Now, on that note, apparently, Eric Stokes has been phenomenal. Um, been very vague. We saw from Bill Huber, he just said Stokes is having a day, which doesn't really say very much, but whatever. And then you had Rob Domofsky say Stokes covered like a blanket. Apparently, the um, the notes about Eric Stokes, at least today or yesterday it would be in uh, OTAs, is that the guy just, he's all over everybody. He's just glued to guys. So I don't want to get overly excited, but I was thinking about it after I saw this. Yesterday, I talked a little bit about um, kind of baseline expectations and where I'm just kind of sitting with things. But if you think about it in terms of let's just assume that these guys are, are elite. Which of these is going to be the most impactful? So another elite corner, an elite center, elite slot receiver, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's got to be Stokes. Having four DBs, and, and there's always possibility of regression for Jair and, and Amos and uh, Savage. I would say especially Savage, because we've only really ever seen a half a year from him as, as far as being a premier safety. But if Stokes can step up and just be a really good corner, I've said it before, I don't know what you do. And if this defense is no good with, with those four DBs, then Joe Barry needs to go like halfway through the season and find just anybody that's competent enough to figure out how do we use four lockdown DBs? Hmm with Zadarius on the team, and Kenny, and Rashawn, and Preston, and the rest of the gang. But you don't have linebackers. I... <laughs> Anyways, the only other two notes that I have, Shamar Jean Charles had a uh, nice play on the day. Uh, this is from Andy Herman. Says, fun rookie battle, Shamar Jean Charles with, perfect, with picture-perfect coverage on Amari Rogers on a slant for a pass breakup. Nice play by Shamar Jean Charles. And then, actually, I do have a couple more notes on Love to be more specific. But the uh, talk of the town is Mr. Bailey Gaither. I'm going to be completely honest. I thought that was a, a singer, probably a country singer, but uh, I would have been wrong. A couple notes on Bailey Gaither. Blake Bortles' first big throw of the day, finding Bailey Gaither open down the middle of the field. Gaither laid out to make a diving catch. He beat Josh Jackson on the play. Talking about that same play, Dave Schroeder says, Play of the day, the young receiver Gaither gathers in a deep ball, laying out full extension on a dive. The cool thing about Bailey Gaither is that he's a 2021 undrafted free agent. So the slate is clean. We can talk about the fact that he's an undrafted free agent and say he's going to bust, but we know some of these guys succeed. We don't have, like a lot of these other guys, you know, he's an undrafted free agent, and he's been in the league for seven years, and uh, he made a great play, and it's like, well, that's that's cool, but we, we can do whatever we want with Mr. Bailey Gaither. 
including get excited. Six foot one, one eighty two out of San Jose State. Bailey played five years at San Jose State. Um, over those five years, he had 135 receptions for 2,225 yards and 18 touchdowns. Played about 21% of the time in the slot, so that's a possibility for Mr. Gaither. He did have, at least for a period of time, talking 2018 and 2019, a pretty big issue with drops on his career, 10.6% of the time, which is way higher than you'd like. You don't want 1 in 10 passes getting dropped. He was 40.4% on contested catches in his career, 19 of 47. NFL passer rating of 105.6 for his entire college career. Now, finally, finally, the notes on Jordan Love. Um, There was a lot of consternation about an interception that Jordan Love threw, a lot of panicking uh, gifts, a lot of the anti-lovers starting to wring their hands and get excited. A couple of them even got out some uh, some slander before there was correction, which came out about five seconds later. But here's the full story, at least told by uh, Ryan Wood. Jordan Love throws an interception, but it was on perfectly thrown ball to wide receiver DeAndre Tompkins. Love checked down and found Tompkins open across the middle, but the ball got deflected in his hands. Kabion Ento caught it and went the other way. That looked like an Aaron Rodgers pick, actually. Also by Ryan Wood, Jordan Love just used his hard count to get somebody to jump during team drills. Wonder where he learned that from. And there was a lot of talk about checkdowns. You had uh, Andy Herman saying a lot of checkdowns today. Uh, Love's best throw of the day. Uh, That's not what I want. Continuing on with Andy Herman, Jordan Love has taken a bunch of team reps during the open sessions last week and this week, and I'm not sure I've seen more than two balls go further than five yards downfield. Some quick throws, but a ton of checkdowns. Um, Anyways, and then you got Love's best throw of the day, a completion over the middle to Bailey Gaither on a third and 11. Took a bit of time in the pocket, but a nice find by Love. Rob Domofsky summed it up, says uh, Jordan Love went 10 of 17 in team with two sacks and an interception, which is the one that I already talked about. He goes on to say, at one point, Jordan Love threw two running backs on six of seven plays. So I did mention that that was a little bit something that Jordan Love does a little bit more. He, I mean, he threw the ball down the field plenty in college, but he was definitely a lot quicker with those checkdowns than Aaron Rodgers was. Now, I don't know what exactly it is they want him to work on. Maybe Jordan just wants to get those completions. Maybe the guys on the field are not doing a great job because a lot of the starters aren't there. So the DBs, you know, you got Kevin King and Eric Stokes going up against Amari Rodgers and Malik Taylor. You might want to dump it off to the running back. I don't know. Or he's being asked to do it, or I don't know, who knows. But um, that is a thing, and obviously the coaches at some point are going to want to see a little bit more downfield action. But uh, anyways, that is it for my notes for OTA. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back, talk about a couple more thingy things. Big giant thank you to Joel Heckman and Mike for jumping in on Patreon. I really, really appreciate that. And good news for the people who have recently joined since I've been talking about uh, this whole Getting the, since the new goal has started, uh, Jacob, who's been helping me out with a lot of stuff for quite a while now on uh, Instagram, he has a ton of great Packers merch and uh, items and whatnot. But the way that this is going to go down, assuming we reach our goal of 300 patrons, which again, we are on track, not only am I opening it up to everybody that joins for the Green Bay Packers ticket, but Jacob has offered up uh, some really cool stuff for people who are joining now. So let's say from 200 patrons on, if you have joined to help me get to that goal, or even if you didn't, but we're going to pretend that that's the reason, you're going to get your own special reward and be entered into a second prize. Some of the items include Zadarius Smith signed jersey, two signed photos, 
uh, presumably signed of Zadarius, many helmets signed by Alan Lazard, and an Aaron Rodgers game-worn piece of his jersey from 2012. So to say that again, we get to 300, we're doing two drawings. One is for new patrons, and then one is for everybody. The new patrons get some of the items that I just listed. Not exactly sure how that's going to work out, but we'll work that out in, in terms of which one you get or whatever. And then the, uh, the other drawing will be for a Green Bay Packers ticket, and that is for all the patrons. But anyways, thank you very much for that. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you want to join for as little as a dollar a month, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, the confidence that he has in, in terms of what he's doing out there, um, the consistency at which he's practicing. I think, you know, you could see a guy that really progressed as the season went along in, in terms of just the attention to detail, the focus, the effort in practice. And I think he had a really good room to learn from. Obviously, we got a great running back coach in Ben Sermons, but it's always good when you have great veterans in that room. And Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, like – they kind of they set the tone for him, and they were a great example for him to learn from. And I'm just I heard you guys' question to him about not getting the ball last year. I thought thought he was going to come after me a little bit because he was certainly deserving. And I will say it is hard at times to get three who I deem starting backs the football. There's just not enough carries to go around. So uh, I appreciate him not doing that to me. That was head coach Matt LaFleur talking about A.J. Dillon, running back that's going to be taking on, obviously, a much larger role. And it's cool because you know Matt LaFleur is excited about it. We don't know what Matt LaFleur thinks about Jordan Love. We don't know what he thinks about Amari Rodgers and whether or not he's going to be ready. There's a lot of guys we don't really know 
where they stand and, and where Matt LaFleur is as far as willingness, readiness, how excited he is to get somebody out there. I don't think there's very much doubt that A.J. Dillon is a weapon that he has been just dying to unleash. But again, there's just no way. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are your number one in running and number two running back. They can run, they can block, they can catch. They know the offense inside and out. How in the world do you put those two guys on the bench and put Aaron, uh, whatever his name is, A.J. Dillon, I know the team, the f- sports team, Green Bay whatevers. I know. Out of my face. Hurry up and jump on Patreon so I can retire. <laughs> when I get to 300, that's that's the real trick. I'm going to get to 300, cash it out, and retire. That's all I need. One month of 300 patrons, boom. I'm going to retire on the street. It's going to be great. I can't do that. But I, I uh, should maybe get my brain scanned. Anyways, we'll get more into the interviews and whatnot tomorrow. That'll be, uh, I still have some more to get through and got to get all the clips and everything all scheduled out. So plan on tomorrow. We'll see how that goes, but I wanted to give you a little little taste. Uh, There were a couple interesting tidbits from the other camps. If you look over at the Minnesota Vikings, they're not having a great time either. Not only is Mr. Daniil Hunter squabbling, I can't, what is the word? What am I trying to do here? Squabbling, is that right? Squib- quibbling? Quib- quibbling? I think there's two words. It's like chumbo from the office. I think I'm smashing two words together here. He's whining about his contract, which is, is fair. I'm saying whining, but he's probably massively underpaid. And he, he has on a very long contract, so he's got a long ways to go. I don't think this is a big deal, to be honest. Um, obviously, Daniil took off last year, so you'd kind of like to get him in there, knock a little bit of rust off. But Daniil's a very good football player. And I don't think the Vikings are going to really struggle to pay him. First of all, if they give him an ex- an extension, they're probably going to be better off this year or paying him about the same this year as uh, they would be anyways. And uh, they're not massively hurting contractually, capally, salary capally. I mean, it's not great, but they, they, they can make it work. Especially, as I've mentioned several times, they got a lot of guys that are kind of getting old and they can probably start to move on from in the next year or two to where it's not going to be that big of a deal. But Daniil Hunter is obviously a cornerstone piece. He's one of the most important pieces on that entire team. The quarterback is not a long-term piece. Justin Jefferson is, but he's going to be a rookie for a long time. I mean, there's just not a lot of guys outside of Daniil Hunter you look at and say, that guy's way more important than Daniil is. I'm, I'm literally struggling to think of who that might be. It's not the running back, who's very good, but, you know, he's a running back, so he has a short shelf life, and he's already been through a ton of injuries. It's not Thielen. I don't know. I don't know who it would be. I think I think Daniil Hunter might be the guy. So I, I don't think this is anything like the Aaron Rodgers situation. I think the, uh, the Vikings understand that he's underpaid. I think they respect that. It's just a matter of... This is what they've been saying about Aaron Rodgers. It's just about coming to a number. I'm just a little bit more skeptical about that with Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers has flat out said, it's not about the money. It's about the fact that I hate the people. I'm, I'm adding a couple words, specifically one, but I, let's just call it what it is. Daniil Hunter wants more money. He's saying, look, I, I, no problem being a Viking. I just would like to be paid as a premier pass rusher, not like a second-rate linebacker. Literally, I mean, I what I don't know what his cash is, but I think his cap hit is like $12 million. There are linebackers making $16, $17 million. So, you know, 
I'm thinking they're going to get that ironed out, but it, it's still not a great start. And then on top of that, Christian Derisaw, their first-round pick, um, apparently was injured. Don't think it's a massively severe thing, but it's just not a great start, right? The Neil Hunter's been out for a while. You want to get him back. He's not coming back. Christian Derisaw, you want to get him in the building, get him moved around, all this different stuff. He's got an injury now. So it's not a great start, but at least it's better than the Chicago Bears, who apparently had one player on defense show up, and that was Roquan. <laughs> So literally, they can't even run what the Packers are running, which is any kind of offense versus defense type stuff, because Roquan is the only defensive player on the entire team that showed up. Now, you, you, you also have to understand, because a lot of Packer fans are like, oh, why, is, why are people freaking out about the Packers having like their wide receivers missing, but some entire teams are missing? It's entirely possible that the wide receivers are just, it's a show of solidarity with you know the union's demands to not show up. I don't know. But a lot of, the, I mean, there are entire teams that decided they weren't going to participate. And it was for that reason, right? So trying to conflate that, for example, with like Aaron Rodgers. Oh, so you, you, you've got an entire defense that didn't show up, but I got to freak out about Rodgers? Wow. Dude, come on. Come on. The entire Bears defense didn't say, I'm not playing this year. Let's not even try to go there. Um, also not attending is Allen Robinson. Now, this is a different situation. I don't know that this has anything to do with uh, solidarity. This is a wide receiver who is not happy with the Bears. He did get tagged, I believe. He did sign his tag. But there is still some consternation, and tr- I'm taking a second shot at it, with the, the contract. Obviously, you can sign a tag and be like, okay, that's great and all, and then that's, you know, I've, I've agreed to sign this and play. I still want you to pay me money, though, or, you know, what, trade me. I, I don't know, but... I, we know that he doesn't like playing for the Bears. We know he's not happy being there, and now he's not showing up to OTA. So that's not great. Now, to their credit, there is some good news out of camp for them. Daz Newsom, the wide receiver, does look pretty good, and he seems like a cool guy. He's got a cool personality and whatnot. And Justin Fields has been having a good couple days at OTAs for whatever that's worth. I mean, it's about as, as it's about worth as much as what we've been saying about Jordan Love looking sharp. Um it is worth noting that Mitch Trubisky did not get praise because, you know, the obviously the first thought is, well, everybody looks good in OTAs. Not the case. Trubisky looked like garbage when he <laughs> first got there, and he was ripped to shreds. I mean, he's fumbling the ball. He's just making all kinds of mistakes. It was, it was a mess right out of the gate. So it doesn't mean he's going to be fantastic, but it's an encouraging sign for Bears fans that Justin Fields looks pretty sharp at uh, OTAs thus far. Uh, the Lions also had the vast majority of their teams show up. Then again, it's mostly all fluff stuff, right? I mean, it's no different than what I'm doing with the Packers. Jeff Okuda looks good. Jared Goff is looking sharp. Jalen Reeves-Mabin is is making moves up the roster right now. He's looking super great. So it is what it is, man, you know? I think the biggest thing at this stage of the game is you take the negatives a lot more seriously than you take the positives. Everything right now by default is positive because they're in shorts, and, and just, you know, there's no real pass rush. There's no real strong defensive stand. I mean, it's just, it's a practice. And if you don't look good in practice, it's kind of like what I said when I watch some guys sometimes and I watch their highlight reels and it's still not impressive. That's a problem. If you're not even good in your high, if you don't even have highlights so that when somebody makes a highlight, they're putting together like basic four yard runs or whatever, that's problematic. Anyways, uh, just a couple more things I wanted to go over. This, again, is from that Football Morning in America article or whatever, but just a couple little interesting observations in terms of the potential direction of the NFL. 
apparently one of the things that they're going to try out and see how it goes, and obviously I'm not opposed to it because this is what I'm into, all-day football fest Saturday, July 31st. Now, this doesn't have anything to do with me or actual football, but it still sounds kind of cool, and I kind of wish I had this channel, but it says, Imagine this template on the last Saturday of July, a dead time in the sports calendar. NFL Network going live from 9 a.m. Eastern Time to 11 p.m. Eastern Time, hopscotching in and out of 32 training camp practices. Now, obviously, these time periods don't make any sense because there's not actual practice going on, so they would, you know, obviously be recorded and replayed. But it says, from Foxborough with Mac Jones throwing deep to Jonu Smith to upstate New York to see first-round pass rusher Gregory Rousseau start his quest to be the much-needed edge rush puzzle piece in the Buffalo defense. To the Carolinas to see how Sam Darnold looks in Carolina blue, to Jacksonville to see Tim Tebow running routes in number 85, and hopefully catching a ball from Trevor Lawrence, to Tampa to see Tom Brady starting to try to repeat history, to Kansas City to see Pat Mahomes do anything. That's great observation because that's that's just that's how that goes. The guy could tie his shoes and the media would just faint. To Arizona to see J.J. Watt in red, yada, yada, yada. None of this is set, but it's something the league wants to do in some form. 12 or however many hours of back-to-back football swamping digital space and cable TV. I gotta be honest, I can get behind it, man. I I can. Which leads me to something else, obviously, I can get behind, which most people can't, including players. And, you know, you get to a point where it's like, okay, this probably is too much, and it's a little too self-serving for me. But I'll just take what... It's kind of like the stimulus check. Is it a great idea? Probably not. Should I be getting it? Definitely not. Am I going to take it and be very happy about the fact that my bank account went up substantially? Yes. Do I feel guilty about it? Not really, no. This from Peter King, most observers believe the NFL will eventually move to an 18-game season. Again, stimulus check. Is it fair? Probably not to the players. Is it right? Could it possibly hurt them as far as their ability to stay healthy? Could it be too exhausting? Could it be all the, you know, yeah, it could be all those things. If they did it, am I going to take it and get excited that I get an extra week of football because I just hate when there's not football on TV and I like when there's more football and I get to have more actual podcasts about football as opposed to more off-season stuff? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and like that. And I could go on social media and pretend that I don't and stand up for the little guy and all that stuff, the little bigger guys than me that are super rich, the little those little guys. I could, but I, I, I'm not going to. <laughs> Look, I mean, I'm just saying, if they stand up against, I, that's fine, I get it. You don't want to do it, that's fine. I'm not mad at you. It's getting to be a little much. It's a pretty hazardous job, I understand. I've seen Deadliest Catch. They don't like it when they got to stay out another week, and I get that. Sucks out there. They don't sleep, they don't eat. They're getting, like, 10,000-pound things falling on their faces. But if they, you know, gave me another couple episodes of Deadliest Catch because that boat's out there because they can't get any crab, am I going to be excited about the new episode? Yeah. I am. I know that's not how Deadliest Catch works, but I'm just trying to draw a parallel here. I'm not happy for them. I'm happy for me. That's all I'm saying. But anyways, apparently that's a thing. I'm sure that's, if it happens, that's way, way in the future. But again, I'm going to be here for a while. So we'll, I'll, I'll see you when we get there. Finally, this via Tom Pelissero. Nothing official, but all signs point to the NFL and NFLPA keeping in place for 2021 several of last year's COVID-related changes to roster rules, including unlimited faster return from IR and 16-man practice squads per sources. Those tweaks were popular with teams and players, obviously, as well as fans and everybody else in the known universe. 
He goes on to say, both sides particularly liked the modified IR rules, which allowed players to return in three weeks instead of eight and remove the cap on the number of players designated for return. Teams had more flexibility and players often got extra time to recover from minor injuries, which of course is obviously true. And it makes sense for a player safety, um, from a player safety safety standpoint, it's kind of like, it's kind of like sick days. I understand why you have sick days. You don't want people just being like, I'm so sick, I can't come in. But at the same time, if you put a cap on it, I'm coming to work sick because I'm not taking unpaid days because my children actually eat food. So that, that's the thing. So yeah, I'll, you know, I'm going to wash my hands and not like lick railings or anything like that, but I'm going to work. Now, I haven't actually had to do that because I don't burn up all my sick days. I'm just trying to draw a parallel. I know that was a thing with COVID where they gave you a certain amount of COVID days but anytime you showed any symptoms whatsoever, you had to go home for an extended period of time. And basically that was like two weeks and then you burned up your two weeks of COVID time and it's like, okay, well now what? You want me to stay home? Do I get more COVID? No, no. Okay, well then I'm, what, what am I supposed to do? Every time I have a sniffle, I have to stay home? You know how many times I had a sniffle? In my household, you can't go two weeks without a sniffle. I don't know what you guys are talking about through COVID with these masks. We didn't get sick. We got sick all the time. Maybe it's because you guys are staying home. I, I got to go to work, man. I got to go out in the world where people are. I got sick plenty of times. But anyways, again, if you remove the caps, then you're more likely to say, we can allow you to sit on IR for three weeks, right? If, you, if, if you've got a tweak and you probably should sit for three weeks, but the only option we have is basically sitting you out for the rest of the year. Guess who's toughing it out, big guy. And that's not good for players, obviously. So I understand not wanting to be taken advantage of, but at the same time, there's got to be some level of, you know what, just they're going to do what they're going to do. So anyways, that's all I got for you today. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Thursday-ish. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.